Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is UFC featherweight Charles Rosa. Charles, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. So we all know that Dana White has his show looking for a fight, but I hear there's someone else looking for a fight, and that man is Charles Rosa. So uh, you got you got a message for the UFC or what? Yeah, man. Uh, put me in. I'm ready. Um, you know, I told him right after my fight in January, I came off a win, you know, in Boston. And, uh, you know, my hometown, it was a good fight. You know, I got the win against a tough guy. They switched my opponent out a few times, but, you know, I told him my fight anyways. I actually had three opponent changes uh, fight week, so... Um, you know, they were going to pay me anyways, but I told them I wanted to fight, so I took the fight, got the win, and I told them right when I was done that uh, I was ready to hop back in. So, um, you know, still waiting, uh, you know, waiting. I, I, I talked to Sean Shelby in Vegas, matchmaker for the UFC, and he told me that it could be as late as um, August or September until I fight again, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to wait that long. You know, I'm, uh, I'm just reaching my prime right now, you know, coming off the win, and I'm hungry, and I want to fight. So, I mean, I'm training twice a day every day. And I'm in the best shape of my life, so, um, you know, I'm ready to go. Yeah, and obviously you're a true fighter. You'll fight anyone. But aside from the champion at 145 pounds, is there someone specifically that you'd like to fight? Yeah, I mean, well, well something that just came up the other day is, uh, is a fight came up with DJ Penn. Uh, you know, Dennis Seaver, who I actually fought my first in my UFC, de- in my UFC debut on five days notice. I fought Dennis Seaver on Friday night in Sweden. And, um... You know, uh, he was originally scheduled to fight DJ Penn on UFC 199, and he was out with an injury. So the second I saw that, I uh, called my manager, you know, sent a message to the UFC saying that I, I would take the fight. And, um, you know, it sounded like they put my name in the hat along with a few others. And, uh, you know, um, actually my teammate Cole Miller ended up getting the fight late last night. So, um, you know, um, I'm not sure, sure how it works, but I know when I fought in Boston, when Jimmy Hedis fell out of my fight, um, they gave me a couple names and let me pick them. So I'm sure that's what they did with DJ. They gave him a couple names and he got to pick which one he wanted. And, uh, you know, he, he picked Cole. So I'm just, uh, you know, I was a little upset, but I'm, I'm still going to be ready because, because you know how injuries work and anything can happen. So. Yeah, absolutely. You never know when you're going to get that call. And real quick, how do you see that matchup between Penn and Cole going down? I, man, I think it's a good matchup. Uh, you never know. I mean, I think it's more on DJ Penn rather than Cole. You know, Cole's a tough gamer. Um, I know him. He's actually one of my first training partners ever when I first moved down to Florida. He's one of the first guys I ever trained with and uh, kind of came up came up with. He was in the UFC when I actually was in my first day in class. He was already in the UFC. Um, so, you know, he's one of my first coaches and, uh, you know, now I train, train alongside him. But um, as far as that fight, I think, you know, I think it's a tough matchup for Cole because what Cole is best at and what he's won the most at is, is jiu-jitsu and that's also what the is the best at and, uh, you know BJ Penn's you know uh, that, that's why I said I think it's up to BJ Penn if BJ Penn comes in shape ready to go um, it might be tough for Cole but I think you know like I said Cole's a gamer and uh, he can go in there he can beat anybody on any given, any given night so I'm excited to see it yeah, it's going to be a real fight, that's for sure, man. So, I mean, as far as your career is concerned, you go 9-0 and and you finished all your fights. Then you get the call on short notice to fight Seaver in Stockholm, Sweden. And, man, you put on a really valiant effort. It's funny because in your only career defeats, you won fight of the night. And, uh, you know, the fans love you for a lot of reasons. Obviously, you do have that Taekwondo-style standing, but on the ground, you know, your jiu-jitsu is no joke. But I think the thing that stands out most is, you know, you're a workman-like fighter. You got heart for days, and, you know, if someone uh, starts to gas out in that third round, you're going to put it on them real hard. Yeah, for sure. That's something I pride myself in. I feel like that's the one thing that you can really control. You know, skills take time to develop, but, you know, coming and being in shape is, is my responsibility, and, and, and I'm in shape all the time. And I don't ever get out of shape because I know how those fights can happen. I, I could get a call in five days, like my UFC debut, and, and, and you want to be ready. You know, there's no worse feeling going into a fight knowing that you're not in shape or something. Um, that's something that I've never experienced and I don't want to experience. So I just keep myself in shape and ready to go and ready for the call. But um, like I said, you know, I'm also hungry and I want to get in there as soon as possible. So. Yeah, I mean, I definitely expect you to get a phone call real soon. That's just how this game works, man. And uh, so, like I said, you go 9-0 with all finishes. What was it like going the full three-round distance in your UFC debut on five days short notice in Europe? Really, I mean, really, just a, it was a crazy uh, whirlwind. Uh, whirlwind. <laughs> whirlwind. <laughs> but, uh, it was pretty nuts. But, um, 
I don't know, man. It, it was, you know, I got the call. I was actually on a plane on my way to Holland. So just, um, you know, I didn't find out till I got off the plane. My coaches and everybody knew, and then I didn't have it. Like so it was crazy. But, you know, for me, mentally, I prepared myself. That's why I fought 20 amateur fights. And, you know, Charles McCarthy, my manager, built me up and made me ready for my UFC debut. Like, he wanted me ready in my first pro fight to be able to fight in the UFC because of how quick it can happen. From the minute I made my pro debut, so the time I made my UFC debut was a little bit less than two years. So it all happened real fast. And, um, I mean, I just made sure I was prepared. I'm always mentally prepared. When I was fighting amateur, I was fighting every weekend. I would show up at the venue. They'd switch my opponent literally as I'm walking into the ring. So that's nothing new to me. And it's not much of a difference if, uh, if I'm doing it. You know, if I've already done it before in the amateurs, that's what it's for. It's for experience. And that experience helped me in the UFC because it's stuff that I've already uh, went through before and experienced. So it just made it that much easier. But um, like I said, you know, all my fights, I was 9-0 undefeated coming in, a lot of confidence. Um, I still don't feel like I've ever really been defeated. You know, all my fights, the only two fights, like you said, I lost for both fights of the nights. One of my split decision in Mexico to a Mexican guy, one that I definitely thought I won. You know, the Dennis Evil one was a little bit closer. You know, it's up to the judges to make those calls, but, I don't ever feel like I've been defeated. Both fights, I finished on top of the guy punching him in the face. So, um, like I said, I you know the judges can say whatever, but I don't feel like I I've been defeated in the octagon yet. You know, I'm still hungry and you know coming off fresh off a win, so just ready to get back in there soon. Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, how good did it feel to come home with an extra 50 G's after that UFC debut? Yeah, I mean, it was bittersweet. Like I said, it was. I mean, I was happy. I was definitely you know happy to get the money, but you know. For me, maybe a little different than other people. It's not about the, the money as much for me. You know, I, I'm in it to be the champion, to be the best. So, um, you know, it really hurt getting my first loss, obviously, in Sweden. And, uh, but, you know, the money made it a little bit better. So I was able to stay in Holland and use some of that money just to reinvest in myself and, uh, you know, just, just train and get and get back to where I want to be. So, um, you know, it stung a little bit, the loss, but, um, you know, the money definitely helps and allows, you know, allows me to live my dream and, and be a little more comfortable. I mean, that's why the fans love you, man, because to you it's not about the money. It's about, you know, being a real fighter, and that's exactly what you are. And you briefly mentioned Charles McCarthy, and I know he's had a big influence on your life. You know, about a year ago, he did a very good interview with Gareth A. Davies, and man, I was like, wow, this guy is unbelievable, because for me, I'd only seen, you know, Charles McCarthy compete in the UFC back in the day, but I never actually got to hear him talk, and once I heard this dude talk, I was like, wow, he's an unbelievable person. So, I mean, can you talk about the impact he's had on your life? Yeah, Charles McCarthy is definitely a special guy, you know, he's a mentor, you know, he's he's a family guy, has two kids, and, you know, he's a great, he's a great person, someone that really has influenced my career, he was just right. I caught him at the right time. He was at the end of his career when I was beginning mine, so he was able to put the time and the stuff and, and you know, the the work into me to, to, to make me and help me get to where I am today. So, you know, I can never really thank him for, for teaching me the skills he taught me and allowed me to live a dream of fighting in the UFC. But, you know, on top of that, he's a, he's a really intelligent, smart guy. Like, he's one of the smartest guys I know. And he, he's also very honest, which helps me a lot. Like, he's not just a guy that's going to spin your wheels, tell you, Oh, you can do this and that if you can't do it. He's brutally honest. It's, it hurts sometimes, but it's also very good because it lets you know, you know, like like they say, your true friends and the people that really care about you are the ones that are the most honest with you. So, um, you know, he's done that for me. He's told me where, where where my holes are in my game, building up my career through the amateurs. You know, he's like, listen, man, your wrestling isn't good enough right now where we need to be. Like, we need it better. So send me to, you know, a college to wrestle with the guys or, or kickboxing isn't where it needs to be. You know, he, he he linked me up, and you know, I got to go live at Holland and train with the best Dutch kickboxers in the world. So, he's luckily I've had him in my corner to be able to kind of navigate me and give me the blueprint of being, uh, you know, being one of the greats. There you go, man. And you know, speaking of great moments, you took on Sean Soriano in Boston. And, man, that was a hard-fought battle. You know, Sean Soriano's no slouch. He comes to fight, and you finished him in the third round after a real a real fight. I mean, how good did it feel to get your home, I mean, your hand raised in your hometown for your first UFC victory? Yeah, there's no better feeling than that, being able to go back to the venue that I watched, like, my favorite sports teams play as a kid. I used to go there and youth hockey leagues. The coaches would take us to the Bruins games, the Celtics games, see all the banners up there hanging up and be able to go back to my hometown and, you know, come home victorious is uh especially since especially against a kid from Providence, you know, there's always a little Boston Providence rivalry and uh obviously American top team versus Black Zillions, you know, and he was kinda like their up and coming best prospect and I was one of uh American top team's best 
upcoming prospects. So it definitely was really good, you know, especially since that Ultimate Fighter show was going on, was airing right after that. So it really was a big deal uh, to get that win, you know, um, and, and, you know, for not just for me, but for my team and for my city. So it was, uh, it was a special night for sure. How serious is that rivalry between the two teams? I mean, it's pretty serious, you know. I mean, they got, you know, we have respect for each other, but, you know, we always have guys, I don't know if people know how the gym was founded, but it was founded from kind of guys leaving our gym and trading over to a different gym and, you know, just taking guys with them, you know, offering them money and stuff. So it just, I mean, I don't really have any hostility or any problem with them, but personally, but it's kind of just like, you know, it's just, just that's like the only gym. I literally live next door to it. I could throw a rock to the Bicillians. Uh, gym for my house, but it's the only gym that I'm really like not allowed to go and do because of politics. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of it's bitter for me. I don't really like, you know, it kind of sucks. Like, I, I mean, I like to go learn from the best all over the place. You know, they have a great striking coach there, Henry Hooked, and some good coaches and stuff that I would love to work with. But it's just because of politics, I'm not able to. So it kind of sucks. But you know, um, it you know, I I think it's more for the fans too. But you know, I know that the two owners are Blacksillians and. You know, Dan Lambert and let's get the Washington's owner's name. They really don't like each other, so it kind of just makes it uh, just makes it more interesting when we fight each other. Yeah, and in your next fight, man, you took on Yair Rodriguez in Mexico, like you mentioned. And dude, I know uh, it was a disappointing result, but you know what? That was an unbelievable fight. And for the fans, I feel like it's not really about win or lose. It's about what kind of fight you put on. Because, like, there can be dudes that go on big win streaks, but if they're just hugging someone up against the fence and being boring, the fans don't really remember that. But they remember true fighters. And you went out there, you fought him like a man. But I got to know, man, so you do have a Taekwondo background. When he started throwing those, uh, you know, jumping kicks at you, were you kind of like, damn, this dude's athletic? Or what did you think about it? Yeah, for sure. I mean... Yeah, Rodriguez is definitely something special. Like kid, he is especially talented. You know, he has a much more well-rounded background in Taekwondo than me. But um, you know, super athletic kid, tough. But um, you know, I I kind of felt like I got a little robbed in that fight, which you know, I was in Mexico, his hometown. I lost a split decision, so one of the judges gave it to me, the other two to him. You know, I finished the fight on top hitting him, but you know, you you can't control that. You know, you can't you can't complain. But all I can do is go in the gym and work harder. But yeah, I mean, he's special. He's off to 4-0 start in the UFC, and, you know, he's he got a big name now, and he's doing really well. He just knocked out Andre Fidley with, like, a spin and jump kick, which I was actually cage side. I saw, I mean, it was pretty cool that, you know, I, was, I, I mean, I was happy he won because it always is better when the guys you fight are winning. But, you know, he's, he, he's a spectacular fighter. I don't take that away from him. But in the same breath that, you know, I know hopefully one day I'll be able to get my shot at him again, and, you know, on neutral territory, and, uh, you know, maybe it'll go a little uh, be able to uh, you know get that one back yeah I'm sure you guys will fight again soon in the future I was actually uh, cage side at that fight as well against Feely and damn dude I mean ever since you fought him <laughs> he's been just destroying dudes I mean but you really put it on him and uh, I gotta know how tight was that triangle choke he had you in that first round oh man I felt my arm starting to go numb but it's I mean you have to put me to sleep before I tap out so I don't know I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna quit you know so I'm gonna fight to the very last end, you know. I uh, I used a cool little technique that Charles McCarthy actually showed me is that putting the hand over the mouth, so which is legal, you know. Um, most people don't even know that it's legal, but when he was in the triangle, I used my hand that was caught in the triangle and covered his mouth, so he was restricting his breathing a little bit. So and I had him, and I kind of stacked him against the cage, which is also something else Charles taught me. So it kind of really was uh, held him up, so he couldn't get the full transition on it uh, that he needed to finish. He couldn't get the angle that he needed, so. I kind of just waited out, and I knew eventually when you hold that triangle so long with all the people around and stuff, I've been there before, that it kind of burns out your legs a little bit. So I kind of tried to get them in there, and uh, you know, I was able to get out of it. But it was a tight triangle for sure. But you know, that's my specialty, jiu-jitsu. I think submission defense, I think, would, would be my best attribute as a fighter, but it's submission offense as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to get tapped out <laughs> that night. Yeah, and I mean, where does uh, this heart come from, this will to win, man? Because, I mean, you're so goddamn tough. So, I mean, when did you realize that, like, you know, you got no quitting you? Yeah, man. I mean, I you know, I've been through a lot in the fight, you know, a lot in my life. But they always say, like, the best fighters kind of the people that went through the, the most stuff. You know, I know a couple you know, my teammates that are just super tough, like Daniel Strauss and a lot of other guys that it's just kind of, you know, Dustin Poirier, just guys that, and they're all guys that have went through, if you look at their stories and things that they went through, it's just things in their life that, that make you tough. And, uh, 
life experiences. And, uh, you know, um, for me, it's just, uh, you know, I also played hockey growing up as a kid, young. So um, all that stuff just kind of, uh, I was always a competitive kid playing hockey and, you know, in Boston, up in New England, one of the most competitive hockey leagues. And, you know, the one thing my dad always said, he never cared if I scored a goal or did any of that stuff, but he always cared that I'd hustle and try as hard as I can and never give up. doesn't matter if we're down six goals to nothing, but he would, he would just want to see me hustle to the end of the game. So that's one thing that was instilled in me as a young kid. And, uh, you know, you know, my uncle Tommy, it, you know, he's a boxer. So he, he always, you know, was a kid growing up. He'd always kind of just, you know, like chase me around the house and stuff like that. So we'd, we'd always have good times. And, uh, but, you know, I just, uh, it, I think it was just the way I, ra- I was raised and just kind of a lifestyle. Just, you know, I never, it was always taught to never quit, never give up. And that's kind of what hard is built from. Yeah, that makes sense, man. I mean, growing up in Boston, you got to be tough. And obviously playing a sport like hockey is no joke. And I really like what your coach said about it's not about win or lose. It's about hustling because that's my biggest criticism of a sport like baseball because these dudes will hit a grounder and, you know, they'll leisurely stroll down to first base instead of, you know, sprint their ass off. You might get thrown out, but just, you know, sprint and give it all you got. You know what I mean, dude? No, for sure. I mean, that's why baseball is probably my least favorite sport. Where I never played, but I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm a Red Sox fan, huge Red Sox fan and stuff. But I'd say out of all the sports, uh, baseball is my least favorite. Yeah, definitely, man. But then again, you fought in Boston for the second time. You know, in your UFC career, you take on Kyle Bochniak, and this was short notice too. You were initially supposed to fight Jimmy Hedis, and he pulled out. You know, like the week of the fight, and then he retired. Interestingly enough, and you took on Bochniak, who was flying under the radar. And, you know, he actually rose to the occasion when you guys fought. If you watch his regional scene yeah. fights, he never fought that tough in any of his fights, dude. But when he fought you, he looked better than he ever looked. But, I mean, you still you showed uh, why you're Charles Rosa. You went out there and won a very hard-fought yeah. decision. It was actually the first decision. Or, actually, is it the second or the first of your career? Uh, it was the first decision that I, that, that, I, uh, that I won ever in my career. So, But, yeah. Uh, you know, the thing about Kyle is that, then the kid it was super tough you know uh charles mccarthy actually the way the ufc when i was going back to the bj penn thing about picking the guys they gave me two you know they gave me a couple options of guys to pick from you know and uh kyle was one of them and he wasn't my first choice you know well it wasn't up to me i mean i'd fight anybody but charles mccarthy it wasn't his first choice to pick you know initially we chose augusto mendez who was like a world champion black belt jiu-jitsu guy because we're so confident in my jiu-jitsu that i know that i'm not going to get submitted and his stand-up was kind of weak, so I was like, oh, it's a good opponent. So we picked him, and then he pulled out two days later, and it left Kyle, it left Kyle Boschniak. You know, uh, Charles McCarthy, you know, he was confident I'd win the fight, but he knew Kyle Boschniak was a tough guy. I mean, he was 6-0 undefeated. Um, he, he was 6-0 undefeated, and he had, I think, four or five first-round finishes and a lot of knockouts. I mean, I mean, the kid's a, the kid's a beast, there's no doubt about it. Very, very athletic, super athlete, tough kid, and you know, being from South Boston, you know, the kid has heart. So, uh, I mean, he went in there and proved it. He fought his ass off. He fought his heart out. And like I said, man, I was hitting him with some good shots. His face was busted up, and I thought for sure he was gonna break. I mean, I'd say 99% of other fighters would have broken that situation, but you know, it's more just hats off. To, it's more just hats off to Kyle for being so tough. You know, I think he has, he has that it factor that you know you know, which most UFC fighters do that when you get to that breaking point, you just don't break. You keep fighting and that's what makes a great fighter. But I mean, I'm excited to see him get in the cage again too. I think he's a little bit underrated. He's, he's, he's going to do well in the UFC. Yeah. Kyle comes to fight, man. What was more surprising? The fact that he, you know, fought you so tough in that first round or the fact that in the second and third round, when you were putting it on him, that he wouldn't back down. Uh, yeah, I think it was, I mean, the thing that impressed me most is just is just his heart, you know, like the fact that that you know, I mean, I mean, he's a tough fighter. He's on his feet. He's super confident. So when he came in there, he was, uh, you know, I mean, he was he, he was going in there to win. He wasn't going in there to just big say he fought the UFC. I mean, all these guys that get their chance, and you know, even when I fought the UFC, were like, I wasn't going in there to just be like, oh, I fought the UFC is my one chance. Like you're going in there to win. Just you know, you're coming in there confident. And uh, I think the thing that impressed me most, like I said, was just his heart, like the fact that he just didn't, he didn't fold, and uh, he just he proved how tough, how tough he was. Yeah, man, it was an unbelievable fight, and obviously, like we spoke about earlier on the show, now you're waiting for that phone call, and you know we can't wait to see you back in action. You still been uh, working as a chef at all? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, actually, uh, since I don't have a fight schedule, I work two days a week. I work Sundays and Mondays, so uh, 
I just kind of, you know, I'm able to go in there. Uh, you know, I got a good relationship, obviously. I've worked there for six years since I moved down to Florida. It's a nice five-star restaurant, cut 432. And the chef, Tony Pizzo, uh, you know, he's the head chef, and he kind of just lets me, you know, he, he lets me come in and, and do my thing. You know, mostly my day consists of just kind of tasting all the different foods and, you know, training the new guys, just making sure everything's on point. Um, but it's just, you know, I mean, it's a really good job. It's something I love to do, and, it helps to bring in a little bit extra money when, when you're not fighting as much as you'd like to. Yeah, and uh, I'm a big steak guy, dude. I love my steak, medium rare. What's your favorite yeah. cut of steak? Yeah, man, there's a lot of favorite cuts, but I'd have to say right now, man, I go through phases. Like, it's not one, like, I go through phases because that's what it is. I work in a five-star steakhouse, so we have all the best steaks that you could possibly get. And, uh, you know, I'll try and fillets, find, you know, different cuts of steak. Kobe beef and stuff like that, but I'd say right now it's uh, it's, uh, it's the bone-in filet mignon, so the bone gives it a little bit extra flavor, but uh, it's, it's it's a great it's a great steak right now, so it's a bone-in filet mignon. There you go, man. I'm definitely have to come make the trek to Florida and try that. I'm from ATL, actually. You actually had a couple amateur fights in, in Atlanta. How did that come about? Yeah, man. I fought a bunch of times in Atlanta. Well, you know, Charles McCarthy has a good relationship with, you know, I, you know, I know Cole and Micah, so Cole and Micah you know, no, you know, they're from Atlanta. Well, they're from Georgia. They're from Macon, Georgia, I think. But Cole and Michael were, like, kind of my first coaches, so they would get me a lot of amateur fights when I was coming up through the amateur rankings. And then I built relationships with the guys in Atlanta. I think the guy's name is Brett Moses, has fight party promotion, so I fought a bunch of amateur fights through him. So, you know, that's how I came through, got to go through Atlanta and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, man, anytime you come down to Florida, you're always welcome. Just, you know, you know, just give me a heads up. Let me know you're coming and, uh, Hopefully from there, you know, if you come on the day that I'm there, I'll hook you up with some good steaks and some food. Good. Awesome, man. Looking forward to it. And before we get out of here, uh, our good buddy James Lynch wants to know, are you happy or upset to see uh, Tyler Seguin and the Dallas Stars out of the NHL playoffs as of last night? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, man, I always root for the guys to be good. I always like seeing the Boston, like, even though they didn't really like him that much. I mean, I always like all the former Boston players, you know, I like like even uh, Luchik and all those guys, like, Man, I always love watching them when they switch to other teams. So I mean, it's not there's no hate there. Man, I just if it's not the Bruins in the, in, I don't really care. You know, if they're not playing against the Bruins, the Bruins are out of it now. It doesn't really make a difference to me who wins. You know, I just uh, you know just try to be try not to be too negative. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And for me, you know, ever since the Atlanta Thrashers left uh, ATL, I haven't been keeping up as much. But I got so much respect for hockey. It's a it's a serious sport, man. But hey. Charles, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Just let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you got coming up, man. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, you guys can find me on Twitter or Instagram at uh, Charles Rosa MMA, and uh, you can catch me on there. And then, you know, I got a Facebook fan page. Check that out. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm just, you know, you know, um, just you can, you, can keep, you can keep on Twitter or Instagram just to see when I get my next fight announcement up to date so uh you know thanks for following me and uh hopefully i'll see you guys soon and be able to get back in the arcade soon for our show definitely the fans want to see you soon and uh, i'll definitely take you up on that stake my man so you have a great day all right, all right bro? Brother. all right my man all right good talk all right peace out man later welcome back to half the battle i'm your host as always daniel levy and joining me on this very special edition of half the battle is the titan fc featherweight champion andre the bull harrison dre welcome to half the battle man Thanks, man. Thanks, you guys, for having me. Absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. So, I mean, obviously, we got a lot to talk about. You're 12-0. and 0, You're undefeated. But it just got announced. You're taking on Davison Hibero at Titan FC 39. So, how do you feel about the matchup? Um, I think it's a good matchup. You know, I know he's a real tough dude. So, I'm definitely looking forward to going out there and, you know, putting on one more time. There you go, man. So, you're a winner in every sense of the word. You've never faced defeat in a pro fight. I mean, does this mentality come from your wrestling days, or how did you become so mentally strong? Because you have gone the five-round distance more than once. Um, you know, well, one, uh, first and foremost, I would say it comes from training. You know, it's a trickle-down effect. Uh, my head trainer, coach, and, and father figure, Keith Trimble, you know, he's he's really, really tough, man. He doesn't – the word excuse doesn't even – you can't even use that inside the gym. You know what I'm saying? And so – um, no matter how you feel, no matter what you got going on, you know once you get in there, you, you're going to have to work hard. You know, not only that, but I have really, really tough training partners as well. And, um, you know, same thing with Joe Scarola. You know, his jiu-jitsu is, 
is world class, and you know when you're going with him, you're gonna have your hands more than full. So going with these guys, you know, it, it definitely is a confidence booster and gets myself up. And then again, man, um, you know, growing up, you know, battle after battle, you know, going through things and you know doing certain things, you know, you you come to a point where it's like you know you're gonna be hit with some type of adversity in anything you do. You know, your job as a person is just to try and make it past that. And speaking of overcoming adversity, how tight was that guillotine choke that Steven Siler tried to get on you last fight? Lord, Lord have mercy. Um, it was <laughs> jokes, man. I was talking to somebody about it before, and I was like, um, at one point, I was in the I was in the guillotine, and I heard um, I heard my my I heard Joe uh, Scarola saying, "Andre, you have to sit your hip," and everything just went real quiet. I was like, "Damn." I, I think I'm about to go out, you know, and I was just sitting up there trying to fight and fight and fight and, you know, find an air pocket so I could breathe eventually. I found it and was able to do what I needed to do. But, um, again, I credit that to all my jiu-jitsu guys and, um, you know, definitely Greg Gillespie. He, he was getting real, real good. Oh, is real, real good at that, um, that guillotine. And so me going with him every day and, and defending it and finding different ways to both stay out of it and then get out of it once I'm in there. You know, that just made, uh, you know, made somebody being able to get me in that position that much tougher. Did the thought of tapping ever cross your mind? No, no. Damn, no, sons. Um, <laughs> um, I, I learned a lot of lessons in life, man. And one of the lessons I learned um, when I was wrestling in high school, we'd be in a tough position and we'd have to hold it for, you know, whatever time frame coach had us holding it for. And he, he would say, you know, little stories or things to us. Um, uh, one that I really, really remember is um, he would say, um, if, you know, if, if, this tr- if this room was filled with water and, you know, you were scratching at the ceiling, would you be one of those guys with, like, blood and paint chips under your fingernails or would you just sink to the bottom? He said, because you never know when that door will open up and you'll be able to breathe again. And so that was just one of those lessons that I learned, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, you're going to be in a bad position, you know what I'm saying? And that, that's just life. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You can be playing chess and you can find yourself in a bad position. The, the whole thing about it is, is you have to fight to the bitter end, you know. So what is going to happen in that position? I'll go to sleep. I, you know, whatever. I'll go to sleep every night. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, <laughs> it's not, you know, that's, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just keep fighting. You know what I'm saying? Uh, no matter what, that's what I tell people. Like for me, I just feel like I'm one of the toughest people out there. Period. You know what I'm saying? And so, put me in a bad position, whatever. I'm I'm gonna do what I need to do. You know, figure it out. So I mean, basically, you're ready to die in there. You know, a lot of people say that, man, but they don't really mean that when they get in there. A lot of you hear that on everybody's interview. They'll say how. Yeah, I'm getting in there, and you're going to have to kill me if you're going to win. And they say that, but they don't really mean that, man. You've seen guys tap before the submission was even on properly. You know what I'm saying? And, again, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say all of that. I'm just going to say, if you get me, you know that you got, you know you earned that because, again, I'm fighting right down to the whistle. I mean, we've seen that then. We've seen it when I fought Hollaball. I was in a a triangle choke for pretty much a whole round, three and a half, four minutes. You know, again, I'm going to fight to the very end. That's just what it is. Yeah, that's what champions do. And, I mean, yeah, like you said, you'll fight to the bitter end. So, after you got out of that guillotine choke and you got on top, I mean, how much of a relief was that? I think more of the relief came because he took a second and he went, ah. And in that in that brief second, like, the frustration that came out of that, because that's what he's known for, you know, his guillotines. So, the fact that he was, like, losing faith in that, gave me more confidence because it's like, all right, he knows now, you know, and it was just one of those things where it's all right, now I got to pour on, now I got to really go for it, you know. So do you feel like you broke him with your mental fortitude? I wouldn't say that I broke him, but it definitely made him like feel like, all right, I got to go to something else and, well, you know, something. And when you make somebody have to switch up what they're good at or whatever they want to do, that, that puts them on the losing end of things, man. Definitely. Now, after that fight, were you confident that your hand was going to get raised? Yeah, yeah, I knew I was going to win that fight. There you go, and still the champion. So, obviously, I mentioned you're 12 and 0, but 
you have gotten a lot of criticism because a lot of your fights go to decision. Now, for me, I'm a fan of the sport. I respect, you know, what goes on in there. And if you go to decision, if it's a good fight, it's a good fight. But for some reason, a lot of people just see the word decision and they automatically have a negative connotation for it. But you're the guy that actually steps inside the ring. So, I mean, how do you deal with that criticism? I mean, I don't. I don't I don't care what people say. Somebody's always going to have something to say, man. One of my one of my training partners, Gregor, he's 6-0 and with six finishes. And one time he he took a guy, he he hit a guy uh, through like a straight right hand, a left hook, took him down, and um, put him in a head and arm triangle and finished him. And some and the very next day, somebody went into his inbox on social media and was like, "Hey man, that was a good fight, but you need to do this, that. You need to do this. You probably should get somebody to help you with that." That's one of those things where, and you learned this early on in life. You're not going to make everybody happy. You know what I'm saying? So I I don't care if somebody don't like my fights because they feel as though, you know, I should be riskier or whatever the case may be. Um, that's all enough, man. That, that's not an issue to me. At the end of the day, you know, you look at somebody like Steven Seiler who has uh, several fights in the UFC, um, where if you do make a mistake, you will get, you know, so I, I didn't really make too many mistakes in that, and I was in a dangerous position several times, you know. Or somebody like Kurt Hollibaugh, who's never been finished before and, you know, does, you know, is doing really, really well in his career as well. Somebody like Desmond Green, who was in the finals of um, of the Bellator tournament. Like, these guys are no slouches, you know. I, you, you look at some people's record who they're like 10 or 12 and 0, and, you know, 10 of the fights, the 10 of the fights that they won by, you know, they might be 10 and 0 with eight finishes, right? And you look at the eight guys that they finished, they, they'll have records of four and seven, um, you know, three, three and eight and stuff like that. And, um, you know, you look at guys like that, you'd be like, well, shoot, anybody could have finished them. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not fighting guys like that. I'm fighting good quality guys. Yeah, exactly. You're not padding your record at all. You're not a can crusher. You know, at all, you're taking on UFC vets and guys that are hot prospects, and you're beating them decisively. Now, in your fight with Green, Desmond Green, I mean, obviously, once again, you got criticized for this fight because it went to full five-round distance, but in my opinion, man, I mean, Desmond Green is a really, really tough dude. He's a very good fighter, and that was a very, very technical fight. So, I mean, what were your, what was your opinion of that fight? Um, it was, it was, a, it was a weird fight only because Desi was a little longer than I thought he would have been. And he moved a lot more than I thought he would have. And so um, with that, you know, it was hard trying to track him down in there. And, um, again, he has good wrestling, man. So if you if you get frustrated with him and you overcommit, you're going to get taken down, be in a bad position, you know. So you have to really, like, buckle down. I mean, he's a, he's a good fighter. He just fought over in Russia and almost killed somebody, it looked like. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> he's a good fighter, man. I just, you know. Good dude. Yeah, he's real good. I mean, are, y- are y'all two boys? I wouldn't say we're boys, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I wouldn't say all that, but, um, <laughs> you know, I definitely, anybody that gets in there, I respect them because, again, it's not easy going out there and fighting in front of people you care about and, you know, all this other stuff. I mean, you got your, your wife or girlfriend or, you know, children watching, and you know what I'm saying? And, again, all your friends and family members at the gym, they know how much work you put in, like, in it's difficult, you know, it's not just you going in there and fighting, like you're fighting representing a whole bunch of people, your gyms, everything, so it's tough doing that. So I respect everybody that does it, you know, and, you know, I, I respect him for getting in there. I thought we went out there. It might not have been the most exciting fight, but, you know, we definitely we definitely went in there and tried to go after it, you know, and, uh, you know, it was a good fight. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand the fact that you guys are going in there in a steel cage to compete, you know, against each other for half of your purse in front of your friends and family for all the bragging rights. Why, why don't people understand that, man? I don't, because they don't do it. You know what I'm saying? It's hard for people to understand something that they've never done or, you know, never, um, you know, never gotten in and, and dealt with. Like, um, it was funny because. Um, one of my friends and training partners, Terrence Hill, who's a, a Muay Thai fighter, he teaches um, kids kickboxing at the gym. And um, so you'll you'll see when the kids, when they spar, you know, some of the kids, they'll get hit with a shot and they'll get frustrated or panic and they'll cry. And the parents will be on the side and they're like, get your hands up. You got to do this. You got to do this. Circle. Put your jab out. 
and you hear them and they're like yelling, but not in a constructive, like a positive, constructive way. And so some of those same parents, they took the men's kickboxing class at nighttime. And on this particular night, I happened to just be warming up. And, you know, every every once in a while, sometimes you get bored with hitting the bag, you know. And so I was like, all right, I'll use these guys as part of my warm-up. And so I went to the boxing ring, and the parents, uh, you know, they had the option, if they wanted to, to jump in there and do a round with me. Now, again, I wasn't trying to put anybody out or hurt anybody, but... Again, just moving around, touching them. And if you can see the frustration, first of all, they all gassed out within the first minute. And, you know, and, and it gave them all like a, a new appreciation. It was like, man, I didn't realize how hard it was to keep your hands up for three minutes or, you know, something like that. And this is only one three-minute round. Like, imagine doing it for five five-minute rounds. You know what I'm saying? So it, it gave them, it gave some, you know, gave them some insight on how hard it is and, you know, they they changed up their approach with their kids after that. Yeah, that's actually quite incredible, man. I mean, after the fact, were people, I mean, were they coming up to you and being like, thank you? Or were they like, holy shit? I mean, what was their reaction? Aside from passing out of, in the first minute, you know? <laughs> a little bit of both, man. It was like, it was just, you know, a little frustrated and, um, you know, shocked. And, and again, it gave them a different outlook on everything. Like, they were, they were very appreciative of how hard the work is that we have to put in, you know, do what we do. Yeah, absolutely, man. So you've been in so many fights, man. I mean, what's been the toughest fight of your career? And when I say the toughest fight of your career, I mean, which opponent has pushed you, you know, the furthest? Um, I don't want to take credit away from this fighter, but um, in my first defense in the ring of combat, I was incredibly sick. Like, my stomach and everything was all messed up. I have acid reflux, so that was acting up, and I was just messed up. And I didn't realize how bad it was until, like, later on that night at fight time. Like, I felt, like, nauseous and dizzy and lightheaded. I'm like, man, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe when the adrenaline kicks in, it'll put a halt to all those films, right? Yep. And I get out there. And I start fighting, and after the first round, when we when I'm walking back to the stool, I'm like dizzy. I'm looking at coach. I'm he's talking to me. I can barely hear what he's saying. And when I when I got off the stool and I went to put my hands up, like it felt like I was just doing a bodybuilding contest. Like I felt like there was so much blood and 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 lactic acid in my arms and my chest and my legs. And I was like, man, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how I'm going to fight like this. I, and then I had to throw off on top of that. And I was just sitting up there. And luckily for me, like, there was one pivotal point in that fight where I was against the cage. He was in on my legs um, trying to get a takedown. And this might have been the only time in my fight career, both pro and amateur, where I let a weak thought creep into my mind. Um, I was just sitting up there, and I was like, man, I, I need to take a second. I need a break. I, I, I got to just sit up there and you know, assess things. And so I thought, like, let me just allow him to get this takedown. I'll go on my guard, grab two overhooks, you know, catch myself, and then I'll, and then I'll, you know, work to get up or submit or whatever. And um, I sat up there, and, and I heard my brother yelling in the background. He was like, Dre, nobody can take you down. He just kept yelling. Nobody can get you. Get him off your legs. Nobody can take you down. And I just, you know, I was like, all right, I can't let him down. It wasn't even about me at that point in time. I was just, I couldn't let him down. And so, um, you know, I fought it off. I got him off my legs and just kept working. And then right after that, he shot. Um, he he shot, I reversed, and I got on top of him. And I honestly believe that takedown was like the deciding factor in our fight. There you go, man. And, you know, you're very mentally strong because a lot of guys would have pulled out before that fight even started. So, I mean, how do you deal with all that adversity? I mean, is it like you mentioned earlier with that example of the room filling with water or what, man? Because, like I said, a lot of people would have pulled out if they were sick. Yeah, no, um, that is, is that in a combination of other things? You know, like I had, um, I had a lot of things happen to me, man, in life. Like, I, I, have, a great, I have a great mother. Um, I have a good support system, you know, period. And, and when, when, you know, you sit up there and you look at, you look at, you, you look at the people that I have in my corner. When, when you go through, through certain things, like they always, 
they always have him back. Like, prime example would be um, this past Friday, my older brother um, was riding his bicycle to work, and he gets hit by a sanitation truck. Damn. And, you know, I'm sitting up there in my bed. I'm getting, you know, it's it's six, it's like 5.50 in the morning, and I get a call from my mom telling me I need to get to the hospital now. Your brother has broken ribs, two collapsed lungs. Like, you need to get here now. And I'm like, well, what does this mean? You know, at the time, I didn't know what two collapsed lungs mean. I don't know if that means they'll be up and running in a day or so, or if I need to get there because he's taking his last few, few breaths. You know what I'm saying? And and I'm driving to the hospital. I'm scared as ever because I've already lost an older brother. And so the whole time I'm here panicking because I'm like, I don't know if this means I'm going to lose another one. Like, you know, what's going on here? Like, these are similar things, you know, that you go through. So when you go through stuff like that, you know, something like a submission attempt or a punch or a kick, you know, that doesn't really, no, that, that doesn't really put me in a bad state of mind. You know, I feel, I feel at most free when I'm out there competing, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, I feel at peace when I'm out there competing because, and not saying that competition is easy as far from, but because these are the only moments um, in life where I don't have to think about anything, you know, I can just move, I can just be, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking about anything. And so you don't stress about anything. Um, you, you just, you just, you just go, you just do it for the enjoyment of doing it. Damn dude. You just really put it into perspective for me now. Is your brother doing okay? Yeah, luckily, um, one of his lungs started working again and, you know, he was able to take a few steps today. So, you know, hopefully he, uh, luckily he has a hard head like myself, so there's no head trauma, but, you know, his insides are like all banged up and everything, but he'll, he'll, he'll he's going to make it through. Yeah, he's going to pull through for sure, coming from your family, man, I'll tell you that. So, I mean, geez, dude, I mean, I feel like I've learned so much just talking to you here that now I get it. Like, <laughs> when you get in there, it's like no big deal because of everything you've been through outside of the ring. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So what do you oh, want? Yeah. What do you want to work on the most? I mean, obviously you're a great wrestler. Your stand-up's not half bad, but if there's one area of the game besides every area of the game, what do you want to work on the most? If I could like pinpoint a focal point, uh, I would honestly, I would love to be like if I could, like if I could just take something from somebody, <laughs> I would love to take my coach's jujitsu, um, Joe Scroll. I would love to take that because I honestly feel like. I can take down anybody, you know what I'm saying? And as far as stand-up goes, like, I haven't even been able to display, like, the full um, threshold of my stand-up yet. Um, I'm, I don't know why. I think little by little I'm letting more and more go. You know, I still feel myself doing nonsense, but um, you know, little by little I'm getting better at, you know, being more comfortable letting stuff go stand-up-wise. But jujitsu wise like if I can like I go for a lot of submission attempts when I'm training and stuff like that and I get quite a few of them you know I do real well like I can go to Henzo Gracie's and tap people out you know all different belt levels and and stuff like that so it's just for whatever reason in a fight it's like in certain positions if I go for something in practice it doesn't bother me if I if you go for something and you like oh well that didn't go the way I saw it going in my head there's no position, you know, you're just on bottom, you scramble to get back up. In a fight, if you go for something like that and you miss and you end up on your back, like, this could easily be the end of the fight. And you're not only doing submissions, you're punching too, man. So, prime example of that would be, and, and no disrespect, you know, he's definitely a great dude, and, I, you know, I look up to him a lot. His, his work ethic is crazy, but um, Chris Weidman against Luke Rocco, you know, that spinning back kick, could could have easily been the deciding factor in that in that bout. You know, he went for it and landed in a position where Luke took his back. You know, and then was able to land some like you know violent grounding power, man. And I don't care who you are, man, to recover from something like that. As far as my knowledge goes, and I'm only I'm 27 years old, so I may not have seen as many fights as other people, but. To my knowledge and from all the fights that I saw, the only person that's been able to cover, recover from something like that is Frankie Edgar. And I've watched a lot of fights. Aside from that, I've never seen somebody recover from you know, something like that. So for me, I'm not going to just willingly put myself in a position where I can get you know, 
where I may not make it out. You know, I'll go for something if I feel and see, but aside from that, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going bonkers or I'm gonna hurt my, uh, put in a position to be stopped. Yeah, you're a very smart fighter, and you brought up Frankie Edgar. I mean, that guy's an absolute monster. And you also brought up the oh, wide man Rockhold fight. So who you got in the rematch? Oh boy, um, it, it all depends, man. That's a that's a tough one because whoever sticks with their strength, I feel is gonna win. You know, it's just it's, it's tough, 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 tough. I don't know. I don't want to say. I don't want to say. Yeah, it really is a tough fight to call. It could go either way, and. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens. Now, you mentioned that you don't take unnecessary risk. You're a very smart fighter, but has there ever been a time, maybe in earlier in your career, where you threw caution to the wind and got into a brawl, per se? Um, I've never gotten to, like, a straight brawl. I've, you know, because I've, I watch a lot of fights, man, and the brawlers usually don't do well. The brawls are the one with no skill, in my opinion. Like, they'll get out there, and they just, you know, hands down, we're just going to throw until somebody lands one of these shots, and... You know, somebody goes to sleep. Like, that's almost like playing Russian roulette. Last I checked, we're a mixed martial artist. You know, you should have skill behind what you're doing. So when I'm going out there and I'm throwing, I'm looking to set up other shots. I'm looking, you know, to capitalize on somebody else's, not necessarily even mistakes, but their patterns and routines. You know, that's that's the kind of fighter I am and would like to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of people criticize Floyd Mayweather for the way he fights. But, again, <laughs> You know? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, man, that you bring that up. You know, you can't talk shit about 49 and 0, but also I'll give you another example. You know, John Jones defended, well, I was going to say he defended his belt, but uh, won the interim belt against OSP mm-hmm. about three weeks ago. And, you know, so he comes off a 15 month layoff. He wins the fight 50 44, and people are acting like he didn't look the same. I was like, are you kidding me right now? It's like getting, yeah. it's like getting an A on an exam and people telling you that you failed. Yeah, it's like, and again, people, and it's almost disrespectful to um, St. Crew because, like, are you, are you, are we all forgetting the fact that this man is the fourth or fifth ranked best um, fighter in the world at his weight? Like, is again at the level that he's at, he's not facing anybody that's you know discredible. Where it's like, oh, this is an easy fight, you're gonna put him away. You know, again, like, like, like GSP. Everybody used to. You know, GSP needs to finish this person. He needs to do this. He needs to do. GSP is not fit. He's fighting back to back number one contenders in the world. Back to back to back to back to back. And I'm not even the biggest GSP fan. You know what I'm saying? And he's putting away guys that, again, this guy is the number one guy in the world right now. He's on a whatever fight, wet streak. Like, these are the guys he's fighting. You want him to just put this guy away like it's easy? If it's that easy, then why aren't these guys doing it? <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point, man. So the reason I asked you, uh, you know, if you ever got into a brawl earlier, because I wanted to know about your mindset. So basically, you've had the same mindset your entire career. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, this this times where I'll get in, I'll push, or I'll throw. Like I thought, me and Kurt had some pretty good exchanges. I know he cracked me with one good shot, and I, I returned the favor. Uh, you know, I, I'm not nervous or scared to get in any exchanges. I don't want to say it like. You know, I'm just going to be like a pop shot or just a touch-and-go kind of fighter. Um, but, again, I do things the way I believe they should be done. I'm not just going to get in there and chin down and just throw Hail Mary after Hail Mary. That's, I don't believe that's smart. Yeah, absolutely. Now, obviously, you got your title defense coming up. You can't look past your opponent. But when you have a vision for your career, I mean, how far do you want to take this, man? When do you want to be in the big show? I would like to be there as soon as I can and, Again, I want to, I want to get that strap around my waist. I believe I'm more than capable of doing it, and you know, I just figure it's a matter of time before it happens. I'm gonna just keep training as hard as I can, as much as I can, and and make this work. Absolutely. Now you're taking on Davison Hebera at Titan FC 39. You got any predictions for that fight aside from you getting your hand raised? Oh man, I'm moving for a third round stoppage. Okay, and you're saying third round because he's a very tough, durable dude. Um, first round would be like more of a filling out process. Second round, wear him, wear him down a little bit. Third round, you know, try and get him up out of there. There you go, man. Well, best of luck to you in that fight, and uh, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now, on half the battle, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Anytime, man. And, uh, you know, if you got a message for the fans and you want want to let them know about your social media accounts or anything else, now's the time, man. 
Alrighty, cool. I um, definitely would like to, if you want to check me out on Facebook or Twitter, it's Dre the Bull. If um, you want to get me on Instagram, it's Dre the Bull MMA 145. And um, definitely um, look out for Battle Scar Management. Um, you know, we're definitely doing big things, me and my brother Randy Brown. We're, we're signed to it, we're making it happen. Um, some big, some other big signing coming, coming soon. Um, also, check out New York Fighting, man. There's a lot of all, of all your top New York fighting, not all your top New York fighters, not only in, in MMA, but boxing, um, you know, kickboxing, whatever, any, any, any form of violence. You're going to be able to catch, um, you know, some pretty cool interviews with them on there. Um, also, you can buy gear from, you know, uh, you know, gear on there from, you know, your top fighters or whatever. So, yeah, check that out. Um, Belmore Kickboxing Academy, Joe Scarola Jiu-Jitsu, and Beth Page Physical Therapy with Dr. Michael Camp. Um, the best places you can go if you're in New York. Best places. And one more thing before we get out of here. What kind of music you like, yeah. man? Oh, man, well... <laughs> First and foremost, I'm Trinidadian, so I stay listening to some reggae music. I I rarely ever listen to anything else, you know. All right, so just reggae for Dre the Bull, huh? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You hear me come out to reggae the last few times, too, so I'm going to just keep it that way. All right, yeah, man. Keep it up. Keep winning. And best of luck at Titan FC 39, Dre. All right, thanks a lot. Have a good night. All right, you too, man. All right, goodbye. Peace. There you have it, folks. Follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And until the next time, enjoy the fights.